As we enter into the Advent season, moving toward Christmas, I love picking devotionals and study guides for a season. That's always been one of my geeky joys. And this season, I happened upon a book by Fleming Rutledge. Fleming Rutledge is an Episcopalian priest and preacher extraordinaire. She really does have great sermons. Uh, My favorite Advent sermon by Fleming Rutledge begins with these words, Advent begins in the dark. And I ponder that every Advent season because to really appreciate the coming of Christ the first time and when he will come again and take full charge means that we really look and peer into the darkness and acknowledge how far away our world is, our relationships are, our church is, from how God envisions them to be. Uh, We are to be agents of reconciliation, yet we find ourselves uh, at each other's throats often. We are to be beating swords into plowshares and studying war no more, but it seems everywhere we are arming up instead of disarming. And so Advent begins in the dark. It also was a great Advent theme to use a year. It was much like this year when uh, Advent, the first Sunday of Advent, fell on the Thanksgiving weekend. And anybody who's worked in the local church knows it's hard to find folks to help decorate the sanctuary for Advent and for Christmas when it's right near Thanksgiving. So we began with Advent begins in the dark. And really the only light in the sanctuary was the one lit candle of the advent wreath that one one flame burns in the darkness advent does begin in the dark it begins in the prophets i love uh, the advent texts of isaiah where isaiah gives us a vision of how in one and two isaiah one and two of how the world is how the nation of israel is and then the beautiful images of of god's city on a hill where all the nations gather where we do beat swords into plowshares and study war no more. The vision of the beloved community, the vision of of God's reign that is so compelling. Uh, When I was a kid, I loved the time-lapse photography where where they would show flowers opening, you know, they'd show a bud and they would show it fully open and how beautiful that was. But one compelling film I saw years ago was in the desert, in the wilderness. And it just, the photographer went around and found these amazing blooms in the wilderness. And they would show this cactus or a plant that looked like nothing and do the time-lapse photography and show it open into beauty and how much beauty there was even in these desert wilderness places. I think that's why Isaiah talks about uh, the wilderness shall bloom. Uh, It'll be lush again and water will run vision of new life and resurrection in these in these harsh desert pictures uh, are a compelling image for Advent. Uh, Isaiah uh, also, oh that you would tear open the heavens and come down, O Lord. That's my prayer constantly every day as I see uh, refugees and children wandering without a home and really no hope for the future, the immediate future. When I see the opioid crisis and and families shattered. Uh, When I see just the heartbreak of illness and death and just the the lack of potential, you know, I, I think part of God's beloved community is a place where every person can fully live into and use the gifts God gave them. 
And in so many places, that's not the case. And so how do we build a community where, where everyone lives up to their potential and where every single person is cherished? I, um, I have always loved Oprah, how she says, this I know for sure. And I think as after studying scripture and a life as a Christian and deeply into spiritual formation, I think I know for sure that Jesus Christ and God the Father and God the Spirit are all calling us to be transformed so that we have the mind of Christ, but also calling us to cherish every human being. I think that God's word to us through Advent is how are we not cherishing every human being who is being forgotten, who's being left out, who's being forsaken, and how do we cherish them in the name of God? I, this is probably a redundant theme. I might even have said it in my earlier podcast, but that continues to be um, my heartbreak. Uh, anybody who doesn't know the love of God through the love of another human being, uh, that's our job if we're to be ambassadors of Christ, if we're to be agents of Christ's reconciliation in the world. I also think about uh, in my own Advent time, my own rededication to the spiritual disciplines. I know I talked a lot about that in the first podcast, but uh, probably the most compelling Christmas uh, story that I read every year is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Story. I've seen every iteration of it. I was talking to somebody today about Mr. Magoo's version. Uh, that dates me. I remember as a child watching that. Uh, the one, just interestingly enough, the version that is closest to Dickens' words, to Dickens' story, it's almost a verbatim uh, depiction of it, is Disney's Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey. And the nuances that are in that movie that are directly from Dickens' story are well done, especially the scene with Jacob Marley. When Jacob Marley, uh, Scrooge says to him, uh, you were good at business, and, and Marley says, oh, no, oh, no, the world was my business. People were my business, and I didn't do anything. So he's lugging the chains all through his after death. And, and as a ghost and never gets rest because he didn't pay attention to the people who were left out or who were not cherished. And he warns Scrooge and says, and then Scrooge looks out the window and it's full of souls who have ignored need throughout their lives on earth who are in perpetual uh, ghost status because they, they didn't care. So that, that gives me pause during this season. Uh, also in Dickens' story, there's a great scene with Christmas present. And in Christmas present, uh, it's he's dressed, he's always tall, very big, larger than life, incredibly handsome uh, man with a big red robe. And he looks a lot like Santa, but, but more rugged, kind of like the Marlboro Man does Christmas, if that dates me also. Let me think of just macho guy. Uh, who is Christmas present in robes and uh, the picture of health. But as he leads Scrooge through Christmas Day and shows him the need all around, uh, he gets older. And Scrooge notices by the end of Christmas that he's looking bad. And uh, he says, I only live for 24 hours. And uh, you can 
celebrate me and you can have me for one day, but you need to pay attention to what's left. And then he opens his robe and there's two wretched looking children, a boy and a girl, and one is want and one is ignorance. And so I think about that during this Christmas season, how much want and how much ignorance. You know, John Wesley saw the two as intimately connected. And that's why he, in, he emphasized education and emphasized uh, knowledge and paying attention to the wisdom of the past and, and how education equips people to understand those that, that they may never have come in contact with and helps them reflect on uh, God's beloved community in a different way. And so I think uh, here's a shout out for all the, the United Methodist higher education institutions. I sit on the board of nine of them, and they do a tremendous job of transforming folks into critical thinkers and um, equips them to realize uh, how much there is to know and how much we need to know and and uh, also a need to learn history so we don't repeat lessons learned. But uh, ignorance and want, I think of those little children in the, in the Dickens story often. The best part of it, though, is uh, I think the depiction of sanctification, the depiction of the transformation that the Holy Spirit does, that was the heart of John Wesley's theology. And he saw that exposure to the Holy Spirit is what transformed that. I talked a lot in the last podcast. I know about that. But if you want to see the fruit of it, the picture of it, you have Ebenezer Scrooge, who is a despicable human being, miserable human being. Uh, and <laughs> he won't provide coal for his co-workers, so they freeze at work. And I don't know, if you're like me, I hate to be cold worse than anything. I hate that scene because this poor man is miserable. But cold, miserly, uh, despicable, ugly, scornful of, of uh, charity, scornful of giving away money and anybody who does, uh, scornful of his family, Uh, scornful of so much and uh, assured of his own self-sufficiency and assured that he has the moral high ground and knows more than everybody else until Jacob Marley comes to him in his door knocker and he's the first appearance and then the three ghosts. And he realizes, I think Scrooge is taught the lessons of generosity he is taught in by the three spirits, the fruits of the spirit. You see spelled out for him love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and faithfulness and generosity and self-control. He's reminded of the people in his life who, who were generous and loving. Uh, he, he remembers his old boss who was a great, great uh, boss and how he had a wonderful Christmas party with all the trimmings for all of his employees and the dancing and the joy. He's reminded of the love of his sister. He's reminded of uh, just so many things in his life that he had overlooked. And he is reminded that he is mortal. And his the last ghost shows him the gravestone with his name on it. And he realizes, uh, I think in the words of Jesus, what good does it do to have everything but lose your life? And so Scrooge is shaken to the core, and he wakes up, 
terrified and he runs to the window and he asks the boy down in the courtyard what day is it and he's overjoyed to hear that it's Christmas Day and you see the transformed person the person who represents Christ, the person who's awakened spiritually, the person who has blossomed like the desert blossoms, the dryness, the wilderness of his soul has been stirred up by the love of God, and he is a new person. And I love every every person who depicts Scrooge does a great job of the joy, the screaming with joy, the joy of having money to give away, the joy of being able to help a family that's struggling, the joy of being able to restore health to a child. And I just beg of you in this Christmas season, how are you getting your joy? Is it through acquiring or is it through giving? And really, how much joy do you get by hoarding stuff up? I love how Scrooge just becomes, he goes out and just throws money away because he has it to give. And he he, uh, goes and begs his forgiveness of his nephew and his nephew's wife, and he celebrates Christmas with them. He makes sure that the Cratchit family has a whole host, a whole banquet, and that their child is provided for. He makes sure that the charity receives money that he should have been giving every year, and he is a new person, and I love how Dickens closes it. He said, uh, Scrooge, every Christmas kept Christmas well. So I hope in this season of frantic activity that you make time for some spiritual activity, that in this season of acquisition, I mean, how horrible is it that the celebration of Jesus' birth is marked by acquisition? That just is so opposite. So I, why not think about all the money you're spending for stuff for you? What about giving that? Uh, Action Ministries needs support. Wesley Woods needs support. There are so many great places where, as families, we could give. But, you know, do you really need another Chia Pet? Do you really need another? I mean, we are to the point as a family, it's like, give me one gift, but we're giving it away. And we're learning how to celebrate Christmas well and doing it well. So I pray that you have a blessed Christmas. I pray that you will keep Christmas well. I pray that you will envision God's beloved community. Jesus is coming again, large and in charge. And our job is from his first coming when he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit to transform us and to force us out to transform the world. That's what the Holy Spirit compels us to do. He transforms us to live into the beloved community. And so as long as there is any human being that's not cherished, as long as there is a child that's hungry, as long as there is a person that's hungry and stranded in the world with no love, as long as any of these things exist. We have work to do. We are incarnated by God. And we had the Holy Spirit breathe into us to give us a new vision for how this world should be. And Advent is a time where we prepare for that second coming. So I encourage you, to have a bigger vision of incarnation than just Christmas. Uh, Years ago, I'm an expert on Disney fireworks. I grew up 45 minutes 
away from Disney World. I, I know every nook and cranny of that place and have many great memories there. I took my nieces and my daughter there, though, a few years ago with our family for the very Merry Christmas party, which is great. And they had these amazing fireworks. And one of the fireworks was a baby Jesus in a manger. Imagine. You could tell exactly what it was. It was remarkable. And uh, my nieces were ooing and aahing. And they said, Aunt Sue, isn't that the best firework you ever saw? And I said, you know, it was good. But I really want the firework of Jesus coming back large and in charge because I'm ready for him to take charge of some things. I'm ready for him to bring some justice. I'm ready for him to speak out on behalf of those who have no voice. And I'm ready for him to model and to bring about a world that is so loving and so tightly knit where all are reconciled to each other and to God and we celebrate the joy of that. And so to me, that's a vision worth dreaming of, a vision worth living into, a vision that sustains me and it has sustained folks through the centuries on the darkest of nights in the worst wilderness places. But that vision is compelling and it keeps us going and gives us hope even when we don't see a way through. So I, I invite you to live into that vision, to hold it up, and to never be discouraged. I pray that you will be richly blessed by the Spirit in these days of Advent, that your Christmas will truly be merry and be done well, and I pray that your heart will be transformed by this season through the entire year and the years to come. At the Table is produced by Sybil Davison and edited by Kim Drobes. Music is by Chuck Bell. Thank you, and I look forward to the next time we are together. <laughs>